Oh, we're on the doorstep of February, but PeterPyrus.com's podcast, A Few Extra Bucks, Motors On. We're going to keep motoring on throughout the offseason. It should be an exciting offseason with Bruce Arians and the Bucks have a lot of optimism moving forward. I'm Mike Neighbors. I'm going to bring in our producer, Justin Thomas, and our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings, in just a bit. We're going to have a lot to touch on, even though it is early February. We're going to talk Super Bowl, give you a Super Bowl preview, our predictions. Deshaun Jackson back in the news again. Carson Palmer giving Bruce Arians a nice endorsement. And we'll wrap up the Senior Bowl. So a lot to get to. Justin Thomas, uh, are you excited about the Super Bowl? How are you feeling this time of year? Uh, this year, I don't know. I think after the way the Saints lost, look, I'm over the Patriots and uh, the Rams are a young team. I actually picked them to go to the Super Bowl, but I I don't know. I I hope it's an exciting game. I guess that's all you can hope for at this point. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, I I feel that I just want a good game if I don't care. I, I just want a good game. Roy, uh, how are you this time of year? It's kind of a weird year covering football, but you've covered this Buccaneer team for a long time. You know, it, there's never really a slow part in the NFL anymore, but I know we're kind of on the doorstep of the combine, just finishing up the Senior Bowl. How do you evaluate this time of year, you know, covering a Bucks team? You know, it's often the same. Uh, usually uh, at this time of year, you're usually, you know, still looking for a new head coach, waiting for him to be announced or uh, – uh, as we are with the, in this case, kind of waiting for them to kind of make some of their first moves. It seems like we're always uh, in the midst of a coaching change. Uh, I mean, every other year it seems to be that that's the case. So, you know, renewed optimism. Everybody's, uh, you know, kind of looking at the Super Bowl as kind of a this dream sequence that, uh, you know, we, we were there once and um, if they could somehow get back there, boy, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? But um, most people, their their eyes are already towards the draft. You know, the Super Bowl is kind of something that, you know, kind of whets your appetite a little bit, keeps you interested until, uh, you know, we can get into draft season and free agency because, you know, that's really where Bucks fans uh, are, are most focused now. They're, they're, they're focused on how do we rebuild this team and try to give us, you know, in a way that gives the Buccaneers a chance to, to be in that big game because it's been, you know, again, it's been so long since they've been there now and only been there once in 40-plus years, so. It's a tough deal. I think it's a good time to be a Bucks fan, though, because I hear a lot of Bucks fans say this, and I kind of thought this when Bruce Arians was first hired, that they are the most optimistic they've been coming into the month of February, maybe since John Gruden was hired. And that's a long, long time ago. But it's hard to find anybody that's not excited in the Buccaneer fan base about Bruce Arians. And I think that's exciting, but sometimes that can be dangerous, Roy, too. It can, and 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 you're right because I think that look, this time two two years ago, three years ago, I guess it was, everybody felt the same way about Dirk Cutter. It was like, yeah, we're doing the right thing with the Buccaneers because, you know, Dirk Cutter, you know, built this really good offense, and and he's got the right, you know, he knows how to deal with Jameis Winston, and we're keeping continuity together. And boy, if we can keep Mike Smith, well, you know, we'll be on our way. And um, it didn't work out. And I remember when Lovey Smith came, it was the same thing. Hey, Lovey Smith, uh, you know, a professional head coach, uh, ties to Tampa. He's going to fix this thing up, change it around. It's not going to be like it was with Greg Schiano. And, you know, when Greg Schiano got here, it was, yeah, this is the way it needs to be because, you know, he's so much different than Raheem Morris and, you know, blah, 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 and on and on and on. And, you know, everybody wants to put a positive spin on things and, and hope that, you know, change is always for the better, but it often isn't. And, and the Bucks, I think, can – can speak to that reality. The change is not always for the better. In fact, a lot of times it just 
it just, you know, digs you deeper into the hole that you're already trying to get out of. And I think that's what's happened with Tampa Bay. So, um, you know, this one, though, feels different. It really does. Uh, look, I've said it. I, I think this is the best coaching hire the Bucks have made. And, I'll, and I mean this, since Tony Dungy. And I understand when they hired Tony Dungy, they didn't really know what they were getting. It was a third choice. Nobody really knew who he was uh, outside of uh, some of the deepest NFL circles. Um, so you could say John Gruden, but, you know, they really weren't sure we'd get with John Gruden either. You know, John Gruden hadn't done anything that Tony Dungy hadn't done. He, he hadn't gotten the Raiders to the to the Super Bowl. Granted, it was a bad call that, that might have cost him in, in one of those attempts. But uh, John Gruden also tore the team apart after he got, got him to the Super Bowl. So I think this is the best hire the Glazers have made since, since uh, Tony Dungy. Um, I'm confident that uh, it's going to work out in the short term. Uh, it's not a long-term fix, but maybe the long-term fix is part of this group, and I think that's something that's important. Okay, we don't get a lot of headlines this time of year because free agency is still down the road a little bit, uh, kind of in the middle of evaluating the draft. Uh, you know, We'll get to the Senior Bowl in just a second, but one of the big headlines recently, all Deshaun Jackson, D-Jack's back in the news on a podcast, basically saying, you know what? I'm going to paraphrase, my man. Uh, I got a year left in Tampa, but I'd really like to play with uh, the L.A. Rams. You know what, D-Jax? My God, can they just trade this guy, Roy? I I don't want this guy on the football team next year. I just don't. You know, I'll tell you what. D-Jax is hurting his, his – I don't want him on the team either. I, I think they can do better um, in terms of a, 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 a person, you know, a character in the locker room. I think they can do better in terms of people who just want to be here, obviously. Um, can they do better in terms of speed and talent? Probably not, but you can do better in a lot of other ways that are, you know, intangibles that are important, a big part of the equation, really. So uh, I'm right there with you, my friend. Uh, I feel that uh, um, this, this guy's got to go. And you know what? what here's, here's what Deshaun Jackson doesn't understand. By saying those kind of things, he hurts the trade value. He hurts his own trade value because now everybody knows that he wants out. So the Buccaneers, you know, their options are going to be more, even more limited now because you don't really have any leverage. Everybody knows that this is a guy who wants out of Tampa. He'll gladly take uh, a release if the Bucs grant it to him. And the Bucs will probably be forced to do that because now I, I can't see him getting any more than a fifth-round pick at best for this guy. Because, again, he's a talent, but the new team's going to want to rework the restructure the contract. Um, they're not going to pay him $10 million. Uh, the Bucks don't want to hold on to him for that, is my guess. Um, so I, it's a real issue, and he's hurt himself. He's hurt himself, and he's hurt his agenda in terms of trying to get out of here. So uh, it just goes to show you, really, what an idiot Deshaun Jackson is. Not only is he a bad teammate, um, but he's tur- turned out to be a, a pretty bad businessman, too, in this term. Uh, so so it, he doesn't help himself, and he doesn't help the Bucks in this, uh, in this at all. You know, a guy like Deshaun Jackson has just lived in this bubble for for his whole life basically his whole professional life so i agree he hurts his you know his trade value and all that a guy like that doesn't care a guy like that doesn't i mean to me he also hurts Jameis winston you saw it on the field and you know how Jameis is a pleaser he wants to please everybody just get him out of there yeah he'd be great in this offense if he was a team guy and bruce arians probably feels like he can fix him because arians has fixed a lot of guys in his coaching career but man get that give that guy a one-way ticket out and just uh Man, if they can just get a mid-round pick for him, just get him the hell out of here. All right, another story, speaking of Bruce Arians, as Carson Palmer told the NFL Network this week, he loves the Arians-Winston marriage, and he thinks the Bucs will, will be a winner next year, win at least nine games. 
Now, I know Carson Palmer is biased, but just another example of Bruce Arians having quality references, Roy Cummings. Yeah, it is. And, you know, look, you're right. He's a little bit biased, but at the end of the day, um, you know, he's a smart guy. And, and he's, he's, you know, he's played for the coach. He's worked with the coach. He knows the coach. He knows Jameis Winston. You know, just quarterbacks tend to, you know, run together with, you know, an offseason uh, things and like that. So, look, I believe Carson. Uh, I believe him a lot. I, I think he's absolutely on the mark here. Uh, his His enthusiasm is – matched by a lot of people uh, with, with the Buccaneers right now, and I think rightfully so. So uh, it's, a, it's a solid endorsement. Um, I like it. Um, you know, hey, maybe, maybe he's lobbying a little bit to, to be a part of things here, for all we know. It's, uh, it's quite possible, you know, considering that uh, I'm not sure he knows what his future is in, uh, in Oakland these days. So, um, But, uh, hey, it's, it's, it's good stuff that uh, somebody out there who I think a lot of people uh, like as a quarterback uh, believes in in the marriage between Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston. It says a lot. You know, I used to work in Tuscaloosa, and it's amazing to me, back in the mid-'90s, we may have talked about this on a past podcast, but I read more about it this time around, that at one point in 1997, remember Mike DuBose, the quarterback, I mean the head coach of Alabama, he replaced Gene Stallings? Sure do, yeah. Okay, on that staff he had uh, Freddie Kitchens, was his quarterback, who's now the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He had a wide receivers coach named Dabo Sweeney, and he, he turned out pretty good. And then he had an offensive coordinator, Bruce Arians. Now, in 97, they weren't having a winning season. Their only saving grace was they could become the first Alabama team to ever win in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And it all came down to a third and eight call. They were on their own 30. Arians was the offensive coordinator, could have just ran out the clock, right? But he threw a had Kitchen throw a pass play, threw it to the fullback. The fullback fumbled the ball. Mm. And they lost the game. Auburn recovers, kicks the game-winning field goal. You know, you know how crazy it is in that state. Yeah. Four days later, Bruce Arians is fired. His next job was with the Indianapolis Colts, and he mentored some rookie named Peyton Manning. You know what? That should be an inspiration to any coach who gets fired out there, to any coach who has a bad year. And I remember Bruce Arians in the opening press conference here in Tampa – you know, because I, I wanted to ask him about that. And this is what I like about Bruce Arians is I said uh, it was almost about the same day that Freddie Kitchens was named the head coach of the Browns. And I said, you know, I used to cover Freddie Kitchens. It's amazing the circle of life in the NFL. And Bruce Arians, without pause, said, yeah, my memory of, of those days was me getting fired. But you know what? That's what you like about Bruce Arians is the guy can always rebound. And that should give, to me, a lot of coaches hope when you see that kind of story. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a he's a very good example of a guy who's uh, you know been knocked down a few times, uh, picked himself up, dusted himself off, and moved on to better things. And it seems like everywhere he goes, you know, he gets better and better at it. Uh, look, he was never going to be fired by by Arizona. No. He decided to retire, and right. and that's a move that's obviously helped out the Buccaneers in a, in a big way because uh, who saw that coming? You know, I don't. Well, I mean, we may have seen him. Retiring, but coming out of retirement, that that was a bit of a surprise too. So, um, and the Buccaneers have uh, have clearly benefited from that. At least it seems that they have now. I think that I think we'll be saying the same thing a year from now when uh, maybe we're talking about a Buccaneers team that just missed the Super Bowl, or uh, who knows, maybe is in it for all we know. I'm, I'm not going ready to go that far and predict that, but uh, I don't think they're that close. But um, they're ready to be a, a playoff team, I believe, and I think Bruce Arians can get them there. Well, let's let's move ahead. You know. I, 
I want to get your thoughts on on the draft. We're going to get to the Super Bowl. We're going to have three and out coming up. But, you know, you covered the Senior Bowl for years. I've covered it for years. But when you have the top five pick, Roy, uh, you know, you may not get a senior. There may be a run in underclassmen. I think the key, before we break down the Senior Bowl and look back at the week that was in Mobile, I think the key for the Bucks is they better hope a lot of these young quarterback prospects look good in the combine coming up. Uh, and look good in their workouts because I think that will have teams trading up and the Bucks at number five could get a lot of picks out of that. I think that's the kind of obvious scenario because it's deep this year uh, in a lot of areas I think the Bucks are looking at. If they can trade down and get some picks, unless they have that guy they want, I think they got to root for a lot of these young quarterbacks to uh, to do well. They do. I think. Look, I think they can stay at number five and, and someone will come to them looking for a quarterback perhaps. Uh, you know, that – they're in that spot. They're in kind of a good spot there, in my opinion. I think that's something that could happen for them. Um, but I'll say this. I'm not a big fan of giving up the fifth overall pick um, to get the, the eighth overall pick, you know, right. necessarily. I, I, I understand the value of adding draft picks. I'd rather see them package, you know, a couple of threes and a two to possibly move back into the first round. I'd rather see them do that. Um, they, knew, they do need a lot of pieces, but – well, you got a shot at the fifth best player overall, I, and you're a team like the Buccaneers. I, I think you probably have to take advantage of it as best you can, and uh, so I'm anxious to see how that works out for him. But um, no, I think it's uh, uh, it's a it's a really a, an exciting time for the Buccaneers in a lot of ways. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Well, let's look at the Senior Bowl. I know we touched on in our last podcast. Uh, uh, I think uh, you know, a lot of people uh, help themselves, and we we've seen it. You know, in recent recent times with the Bucks, Ali Marpet was a guy that kind of helped himself. But anything stand out about the week in Mobile for you? Well, a couple of players the Bucks might be looking at. You know, obviously, you know, look, they need help in the secondary. There's no doubt. Uh, look, we all know that they're probably focused on the trenches primarily. But you know, they're probably going to add a running back here in the off season. Might be through free agency. Might be through the draft. You know, there's a kid named Tony Pollard out of Memphis who who had a real nice uh, had a real nice game. And, and a pretty good week of practice, too. And, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy who, uh, who probably helped himself out a little bit uh, here at the Senior Bowl. So that's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, Tony Pollard, kid out of Memphis, eight carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown during the game. You know, co- coaches don't watch – scouts don't watch the game as much as they watch the practices. But um, it is about what you do on Saturdays and Sundays here. So um, he's a tough running back, uh, runs inside, runs outside. Uh, he's a guy I think to keep an eye on. Uh, there were a couple others there: Dexter Williams from uh, Notre Dame, uh, Karen uh, Kareem Karan, I guess Hignan is his name, uh, running back out of Michigan. He's another one you want to keep an eye on. But Tony Pollard was the one who kind of stepped up uh, come game day. Another guy, um, Nasir Adderley, is a, a Delaware safety. Yeah, um, been a good week of practice, um, and he was he's playing a little bit in the slot, but he's a safety by trade more more than anything else. Um, he ended up having a pretty good game himself. So uh, these are a couple of names to you know keep an eye on. We're not talking early rounds necessarily, but maybe you know maybe third, fourth, fifth round uh, is when you can get some of these guys. And maybe uh, you know these are some guys who are moving up the draft board a little bit. See how they look at the combine. See what teams think about them when they get get them down in the meeting rooms and talk to them. But those are a couple of guys to start keeping an eye on. Again, Nasir Adderley out of Delaware, a safety. Tony Pollard, a running back out of Memphis. Yeah, we'll get a lot better feel for the Bucks draft, I think, after the combine because they have that five pick, and you would think a lot of underclassmen are going to be in that pool 
not as many seniors, but we'll see. I mean, those are some interesting names to watch for sure. Okay, let's talk about the Super Bowl. And before we get to the Rams against the Patriots, I, you know, often I don't ask you about things before we start the podcast. But once upon a time, when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they had a quality control coach named Sean McVay. Roy Cummings, you know, covering a team, you don't usually pay attention to guys like that. Did you ever like bump into Sean McVay in the hallway? Did you ever have any interaction? Do you even remember Sean McVay as a quality control coach? Uh, it's easier to answer the last question. No, he was a name. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there was so much going on with that football team. We weren't paying a whole lot of attention to the quality control coaches, the, who, the guys who, in essence, uh, you know, ran copies and uh, stuff like that, went and got uh, lunch for the coaches, uh, made sure that their coffee was, you know, stayed hot, that kind of thing. Um, no, I do not remember Sean McVay. Uh, wasn't one of the things anybody was really focused on with that team at that time. But uh, you know what? Look, everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. And Sean McVay, in a hurry, got on the fast track to, um, to to an NFL head coaching position, and he's taken full advantage of every opportunity he's had. So, um, you know what? Have very happy for him, very excited for him. He's done a great job already. He's got, a, you know, clearly made a name for himself. He can really top things off with a with a win this weekend, and uh, anxious to see what happens there. Uh, he's got it. He's got about as tough a. Uh, a job here this weekend as he's ever going to face going up against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, obviously with the Patriots, but Hey, he's been in, uh, he's been in tough spots before and he's obviously won more than he's lost. So um, anxious to see how he, uh, how he matches up against the genius. Yeah. The genius, by the way, was in his mid thirties and he was a defensive coordinator for the New York giants when Sean McVay, wait for it, was born in 1986. <laughs> so it's an amazing ride for Sean McVay. And uh, Bill Belichick, you know, Sean McVay, I, keep, I love the stories that I'm seeing, you know, back in 2009, Sean McVay was a tight ends coach for the Florida Tuskers in the United States Football League. I mean, it, it's amazing the ride and the dues that he paid and, and good for him. I guess we're trying to, you know, for you young coaches out there, you coaches have had a tough year, uh, you know, we're trying to provide inspiration, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the, the Bruce Arians getting fired from Alabama and then going to coach Peyton Manning. They got Sean McVay paying his dues. I remember Kyle Shanahan when he was the quality control coach for some reason uh, under Gruden. So he had some definitely star power quality control guys over the years. You know, I got to say this for We've both covered a lot of Super Bowls and I love covering it. I love the whole week. I think the week's fun, even leading up to the game. But I don't I don't miss being in Atlanta because to me, Atlanta has to be one of the worst Super Bowl cities to host the game. That's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I remember the last time it was there. It uh, it wasn't a fun week. It wasn't special. Um, it's not a great place to uh, to hold a Super Bowl. I, I'm sure the facility's great, and it is. I mean, I've been there uh, to the new stadium. It's a beautiful new stadium. You've been there, obviously, uh, Mike. But um, yeah, and, you know, as far as playing the game, it'll be great. But for the week leading up to it, nah, not what you're looking for. Um, you know, I, I don't like that it's bouncing around as much as it is. Look. Miami's a great spot. Obviously, San Diego's a great spot. Um, Los Angeles could be a great spot. New Orleans is a good spot. Uh, Tampa Bay was a good, is a good spot. Um, yeah. Atlanta, not so good. Minneapolis, not so good. Detroit, not so good. Um, you, you're really uh, – you, I get it. You reward teams for building new stadiums and stuff, but, you know, it's just uh, – I think you got to think about, you know, everything that goes on around the Super Bowl. It's not just about the game because 
The game takes place on Sunday. Uh, there's an awful lot leading up to that, and you got to have. And look, they've got all they've got everything you need in Atlanta, but it's just it's just not great. I mean, what are you going to do? Go go tour the Coke plant? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just stay as far away as you can from the airport and any kind of traffic in Atlanta. To me, Atlanta's, in my opinion, is one of the cities I would not want to live in. Atlanta, Washington, D.C., I, I don't know. The, those two kind of stick out like a sore thumb to me. I, the, the traffic in those cities is just unbearable. And when you're covering a Super Bowl and you want to get around, I just, I don't know. I, I'd like to be there. Don't get me wrong. But uh I'm glad, like you said, it's not there often. I'd actually rather cover Super Bowl in Jacksonville than Atlanta. How about that, Roy? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> right. I'll get around a lot easier in Jacksonville. Anyway, all right. Well, let's talk about the game. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off by saying, you know, I'm gonna adopt the Nick Saban principle when you talk about this game because I've seen recent memory college football championship games, oh, I'm not going to bet against Saban. And I see the same thing with the Patriots. I'm not going to bet against Brady. I'm not going to bet against Belichick. I just see something about the Rams this year. They're a team of destiny. I think they're the team of destiny. They got the call in New Orleans. I just think McVay, it's his time to shine. Belichick and Brady have big time overachieved. I think the AFC is far inferior to the NFC in a lot of ways. But the Rams are my pick. I think they win the Super Bowl. I think it's a coming out party for Jared Goff. Sean McVay, he's already a star on the rise. But I think the Rams are going to win this game. I do. Tell you what, uh, it's interesting that you say that because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't disagree more. Um, wow. The team of destiny is the Patriots. Um, <laughs> because that's a team that everybody, nobody, I, look, I think a lot of people thought, uh, yeah, they could, they'll probably win their division. But how good are they going to be when they get to the playoffs? Not a lot of teams. People gave this team a lot of credit, thought they would go very far. I mean, it's fueling Tom Brady like we've never seen it. Fuels this, this kind of thing fueled him before. He's leading cheer, cheers here. We're still here. We're still here. I mean, he's taking this stuff personally, and I think it's almost made him a better player. And I, I think the whole team feels that way. I, I, I think I, I think it's going to be Gronk's last game, and I think he's going to play his butt off in it. Um, Belichick, I think really wants this one. I something just, I get a sense that the, the Brady, Brady, Belichick, Gronk, the whole group wants this one more than any of the others they've had, because I think they feel like they've been doubted more over the last couple of years than, than ever before, obviously. And, and I think they're, they're just relishing the fact that they're proving everybody wrong. I really do. And I, I, to be, and to be honest with you, uh, I may be proven wrong on this, but I just don't see Sean McVay matching wits with Bill Belichick. Um, look, Andy Reid couldn't do it, and I, I don't think Sean McVay is there. I just don't. Sean McVay's a, a, a brilliant mind, but he's not Bill Belichick, and I think Bill Belichick's going to find out a way. Look, and I will, I'll say this. I think the Rams are, are the more talented team. I think they've got – the better running backs. So they don't have the better quarterback, but I think they've probably got the better defense. Um, they've, they've got a lot of players that are just playing better. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to the coach and the quarterback in this game, and nobody's better than those two. Well, here's my thing on that. I, I feel that the New England Patriots, to me, I, I, I kind of, if there's a rooting interest, I'm rooting for Tom Brady. I'm a big Tom Brady fan, and I, I find myself defending him over and over and over again. I know people get jealous of Tom Brady, but I, and I, I guess it, I, I can't say I don't understand the hate because I do because people get jealous. 
But the way Tom Brady works, I could see that guy playing for two or three more years at least. I mean, I see him just continuing to want this. And, you know, they they always ask him, what's your favorite ring? And he says the next one. I hope that they do win. I just feel like there's something about this Rams team that's just, I don't know, like they're, they're, they're meant to be. Because, frankly, you know, I cover the New Orleans Saints. I wish it would have been Brady and Breeze. I wish it would have been Sean Payton, you know, matching X's nose with Bill Belichick because Payton's the ultimate riverboat gambler. And, you know, I think it would have been interesting to have Brady and Payton, uh, Brady and Belichick against Breeze and Payton. Those are the two best head coach quarterback, the winningest combos in NFL history. So there's a lot of fun plot lines there. But I think McVay's ready. I think he's cocky enough to say, you know what? I'm ready for this moment. Doesn't seem frazzled by anything. And the way he turned that Rams franchise around quickly, you got to give him a lot of credit. I just wonder, Roy, how does Jeff Fisher feel watching all this? You know, I think Jeff Fisher actually feels pretty good um, because Jeff Fisher had a lot to do with building this Rams team. He wasn't able to finish it off and take him to the playoffs. Um, but Jeff Fisher deserves a lot of credit. In fact, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get a ring should what you predict happens is going to happen, happen. Um, he Look, he, he helped build this team. A lot of these guys that are here now, Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, uh, Jared Goff, he brought them in. Um, didn't bring him in uh, Dominican Sue, but a lot of the other pieces are Jeff Fisher pieces. He laid the foundation for this team. Um, I don't think uh, Rams fans have necessarily forgotten that. Um, a lot of them have, but not everyone has. And I, I don't think the Rams have forgotten that uh, inside that building. I, I think he will be rewarded, um, and rightfully so, uh, should the Rams do what you say they're going to do. But um, you know, I'm kind of surprised to hear you predicting the Rams because, look, first of all, I'm not even sure they should be there, number one. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they were the best team in the NFC all season. I, I, I think it was the, the Saints. And I think the Saints proved that they were the better team actually uh, on Championship Sunday as well. Um, had they taken a 21-point lead the way they should have uh, in that game instead of a 13-point lead, I think the – and uh, by the way, at that point, I, I was seeing Sean McVay kind of getting his comeuppance there a little bit. Uh, he looked a little bit lost at that moment in the game, even when it was 13 to nothing. Uh, he was wiping his brow because it was only 13 and not 21. I thought Jared Goff looked like a deer in the headlights for a, a lot of that game. Uh, I could see a lot of that happening uh, come this Sunday too. Um We'll see how it goes, but uh, I just look. I I think these guys have met their match. I may be way off. I, I just think the I think the, this Rams team, even though it's uh, got a little bit more talent and better players in some key areas, um, particularly on defense, perhaps. Um, I just think they've met their match when they're going to go up against the Patriots on Sunday. Listen, I picked the Texans and the Falcons to be in the Super Bowl. So my gut has been off many times this year, my friend. But I will say this. There's something about this Rams team. And, you know, I think it's I think it's easy to kind of say, well, they're a year away because they haven't been there. And Tom Brady's been to a million Super Bowls and all that. The one thing I do want to see in this game, Tom Brady, please throw, uh, where is it, uh, Nickel Roby Coleman, throw it his way early and often. I just want that guy just to shut the hell up. I am so tired of that guy. You know, I mean, he's acting like he's a pro bowl or something. You know, the only reason anybody knows your name, pal, is because you were part of the biggest no call in NFL history. As uh, John Torello would say, shut your yap. I'm so tired of that guy. It's ridiculous. I can see why you're tired of him. But from his standpoint, this is his opportunity, you know, 
Um, look, not a lot of people knew who Richard Sherman was, uh, you know, a few years back. And all of a sudden he started opening his mouth around the Super Bowl and all, and now look at him, you know, he's got, he's got commercials on TV, yeah. you know? So, um, look, I, I think it's, a, take advantage of your opportunity. Even in the NFL, you may only get 15 minutes of fame. He's taking advantage of his 15 minutes. You know, you got to make a name for yourself somehow sometimes in this league. And, and here's a guy who did it. Um, he's not the first. He won't be the last. Um, really, the spotlight is on him. So relish in it as best you can. Look, I appreciate his honesty. You know, let's not forget. Let's go back to Championship Sunday. He said, hey, sorry, Saints fans. You know, the call's the call. Um, it, it was definitely pass interference, but this one went my way. So good for me. I'm lucky, you know, and I give him credit for that. I, he admits that he, he screwed it up. He made a mistake, but he, he's come out better for it uh, or in a better situation. So now he's just trying to take advantage of it. I don't have a problem with that. Well, he also got these Instagram posts the next morning. I, I like the fact that he owned up to it. But then the next, he's like posting these videos of himself laying in bed laughing. And, you know, Richard Sherman at least made plays. This guy just did a helmet to helmet and a PI in the same play and he got away with it. I mean, to me, I don't know. I'll respectfully disagree. Well, just just I'll tell go you away. You know what? Okay, but but here's here's where you get your revenge. Here's where you get what you want. He could really be exposed this weekend. Now I look, he is. he's going to be isolated on TV a lot, and it's yep. not just going to be about you know showing replays of of the blown call. He's going to be he's going to be matched up. And it, look, if he's a if he's truly a weakness, and he sure looked like a weakness on that play, on the big play that we're all talking about, Bill Belichick's going to take advantage of that. Tom Brady's going to take advantage of that. Uh, Julian Edelman is going to take advantage of that. That whole team is going to take advantage of that. And so he could, you, you know, just sit by, sit back. You could get your, uh, your wish here because he could get exposed in a bad way this Sunday. Uh, because my guess is, uh, they're looking to throw right at that guy because, uh, the reason we haven't heard from him is because he's probably not that good. And he was out of position as it was, which is why he had to make the play he made. And he's just darn lucky. He didn't get called for a penalty. So, don't be surprised if he gets burned two or three times in this game on Sunday and it costs his team a touchdown or two, and if not the game itself. Bucks fans, you should have a, a fun if uh, you have a no-dog-in-the-fight drinking game on Sunday. Every time they pick on uh, Roby Coleman, you just have a drink on me. And I hope you, you know, don't drive. Please, please don't drive after that, please. I just hope the guy's <laughs> exposed. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of him, Roy. Sorry. I had to... Okay, Justin. Roy says Patriots. I say Rams. You got to break the tie. Ooh, um, look, you were talking about the Rams being a team of destiny, which is funny because a couple of weeks ago you were saying the same thing about the Saints. Uh, yeah, they, I had a little officiating interference there. That that that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it blocks my. So, you can't just switch to whichever team gets the most recent call, though, that goes their way. Yeah, but when the team gets the biggest no call in NFL history, that may be destiny, Justin. You may be right. That, that's, that's a good point. But I still I agree with Roy. I think Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they've been here so many times. Yes, they haven't won every Super Bowl they've been to. But I think experience trumps all. I I think, look, the Rams have a talented team. I, I, I tend to agree with Roy. They're probably, in terms of you know players, they have the more talented team. But I think Bill Belichick knows how to get the most out of his players. 
Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I just, I really can't bet against the Patriots. So I, I'm, I'm leaning Patriots. Uh, did you guys see the video with Brady and he's kind of giving that smirk, like I told you so smirk, and, and Gronk's behind him kind of doing whatever Brady does? Did you guys see that video? Yeah. yeah I loved yeah. that. I loved it. I loved it. I'm telling you, I I think they I, I think they're more confident than they've ever been. I think they feel like again, I think they feel they're the team of destiny. Well, I just want to put my personal hex on the Rams because everything I predict goes to hell pretty much. So maybe that's why I'm thinking the Rams will win because I don't want them to win. Maybe it's just my gut feeling. Well, we've done our Super Bowl predictions. Uh Justin, you know what time it is. Yes, three and out, three questions, and we are out of here. And I'm going to start with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, guys, it looks like Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, they are gimmies. Maybe even, uh, um, I don't know, there's a few others in there that may be gimmies too. You know, kind of looking at the list here, you have those three guys. But, you know, some other guys that could probably be gimmies as well. As I look at my list, Isaac Bruce, possibly Edgar and James, maybe. But I'm going to go to the dark horses. You look at guys in the secondary. You have John Lynch, you have Steve Atwater, and you have Ty Law. Justin, you need to go first. Of those three guys, I think one of them will probably get in. Um, it's always tough at the safety position to get in, maybe besides kicker, one of the toughest positions. But John Lynch, Steve Atwater, Ty Law, if you had to pick one of those guys to make the final cut, to get his uh, jacket and get into Canton, who would it be? You think one of them has a chance to go in this time? Yeah, all, all three could be denied, but if you're going to pick one of them, which one? Uh, I'll go with John Lynch. I really liked him as a player. I thought he was really, really good. Um, I mean, yeah, I think – I don't know. He'd probably get in eventually, so I'll, I'll go with him. Roy, the thing I'm thinking is – you know, a lot of people rip Lynch because he didn't have a lot of interceptions, but Atwater didn't have a lot of interceptions, both very physical guys. Now, Ty Law, you know, played for a lot of great teams. I mean, none of these guys could get in, but we know how hard it is to get in if you play these positions. I know Ty Law plays a little different position, but you have Lynch and you have Atwater and you have Law. If you had to pick one of those three to bet to get in this year, who would it be? Well, I, I think I would gamble a little bit and bet John Lynch, and here's why. John Lynch is in his sixth year as a finalist, meaning that he's in the room on Saturday being discussed by the voters. And of all the other players who have ever been in the room six times, only one of them is not in the Hall of Fame. And oh, wow. so I believe his time has come. You know, here look at it this way. If, you've, if you're good enough to be in that room for discussion on Saturday – meaning you're down to the final 15. If you're good enough to be in that room six years in a row, I think you're probably good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm going to say John Lynch. I think it's time. I think he's earned it. And uh, I, I sure hope he gets it because uh, there's no question he deserves it. A great guy off the field. Uh, speaking of good guys off the field, here's a name I'll throw out there. I hope he gets in. Uh, injuries cost him, or he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Tony Baselli should be in the Hall of Fame. 
Uh, that guy's one of the best left tackles ever. I mean, I saw him covering the Jacksonville Jaguars up close and personal, shut down Bruce Smith, uh, some some big-time Hall of Fame guys. that he, Jason Taylor, he had a great game against a couple times in Jacksonville. So I hope Tony Baselli gets in selfishly. All right. I've always thought Jimmy Johnson should be in the Hall of Fame. I know he's kind of like a lot of these players. He didn't coach long enough, but he won a national title, and then he won Super Bowls in Dallas. And, you know, obviously could have won more if Jerry Jones and he didn't get in the spat. Um, you know, Miami didn't work out for him as much. I'm going to give you three coaches here because a couple of these guys are kind of uh, looked at as guys who could get in this year. But if three, these three coaches, who do you think is – the Hall of Famer above the others. You got Tom Flores, who won a couple in Oakland. You got Don Coriel. You know, Air Coriel did his thing in San Diego, never won a Super Bowl, but kind of changed the way offenses were played. And then you have Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's not up this year. I think he is uh, is should be in there. But of, of those three, Flores, Coriel, and Jimmy Johnson, who would you pick? Me first? Yes. Ah. Uh. You got some tough questions this time. Um, it's a new year. We're bringing it this year in 2019. <laughs> really? What happened to softballs? <laughs> yeah. Billy Joel and Elton John. and yeah. I guess. So I, I'm familiar with all three, but I'm the most familiar with Jimmy Johnson. I really think he could have been a great coach if he would have stayed uh, in the NFL and continued coaching. Although, my, like you said, Miami wasn't too great. Uh, that's a tough one. I think – just based off of how much I know about him, I'm going to have to go with Jimmy Johnson. Roy? Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, based on the fact that he's won Super Bowls, it's Jimmy Johnson. But really, I mean, is is that what you have to do to get to the Hall of Fame? You have to go to a Super Bowl? You have to win a Super Bowl? Is, is that it? I, I thought it was really about, you know, when I talk, think about Hall of Fame, I think about, and I, I didn't come up with this idea myself, but I, I've heard this from other people and, and I believe it. I think, can you write the history of the game without this person? And, you know, I think you can, you know, you probably can't write the history of the NFL without Jimmy Johnson, I guess. But I know you can't write it without Don Coryell, because Don Coryell, uh, as you said, Air Coryell, I mean, he revolutionized the game. He was way ahead of his time, guys. Um, if he had come around today, he'd be fit. He'd be the Sean McVay of today. Um, with all these ideas, but he had them years and years ago. Uh, okay, three and six in the postseason is his record. Um, that's, I guess, what's kept him out of the Hall of Fame. But, you know, again, I think we've seen over the years that in order to get to the Super Bowl and win it, you have to have a lot of things go your way. You know, um, the, the, even the Patriots have won a couple of games because other teams screwed up. You know, they won one in, against Seattle because of one of the worst calls we've ever seen a head coach make in the Super Bowl. They won one in uh, a couple of years ago against Atlanta because Atlanta had one of the biggest breakdowns ever, collapses ever in the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, look, I think Don Coryell, uh, yes, I don't know that you can write the history of football without writing about what Don Coryell did uh, as the coach of the Cardinals and particularly the Chargers. Five division titles as the Chargers coach led the league in passing seven of eight years at a time when, you know, maybe that wasn't the way everybody else was playing, but he was ahead of his time. And for that, uh, I, I think he belongs. I think he's one of the greatest coaches ever. Uh, one of the most innovative coaches ever. Um, he, he, he deserves to be there. 
So you don't think Brian Billick should be in the Hall of Fame? No, I'm not going to put Brian Billick there. Uh, he's a good coach, but he's not a Hall of Fame caliber. And, and by the way, you know, now, now the, the argument, and believe me, this is the way it is. In that room, guys. I was proving your point, by the way. Just if you won a Super Bowl, you shouldn't make it. That, well, that was- exactly. But right yeah. now, in that room, if you've won a Super Bowl, that gives you, you know, that gives you street cred or gives you room cred, I guess it is. Because in that room on on Saturday, on Sunday, uh, Saturday, um, and, le- and all the votes leading up to it, if you're a coach who's won a Super Bowl, you automatically get consideration. It's why Tom Flores, I guess, is you know somewhat involved. I'm not sure Tom Flores is a is a Hall of Famer, but uh, Don Coryell is, in my opinion. All right, I'm going to be blasphemous. Roy's going to, Roy's going to go crazy when I say this. <laughs> I think Jimmy Johnson is not only so much better than those guys. I mean, to me, he not only a great coach, a great motivator, but he took a team that didn't win anything yeah. and quickly turned him around not only by being a great coach, but he drafted well, did the Herschel trade. Forget Jimmy Jerry Jones. I mean, Jimmy Johnson's the guy that turned the Cowboys around and should have been there to reap the rewards for years after that. I would take Jimmy Johnson in over Tony Dungy. How about that? Ouch. I'm not doing that. How about that? Well, Jimmy Johnson didn't blaze a trail for a lot of other people that hasn't necessarily been uh, crossed very much lately. But uh, no, 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 no. I'm 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 not doing that. Jimmy Johnson didn't turn around an organization that had been in the dumpster fire for uh, since its inception. Uh, you, you know, Jimmy Johnson didn't do what Tony Dungy did, and he didn't have to fight the battles that Tony Dungy did in order to get to where he was either. And he didn't have all the, the elements that, uh, that uh, Tony Dungy – I mean, he had more elements, really, than Tony Dungy did. Tony Dungy came into a situation here in Tampa where he had virtually nothing. You know, the team was ready to walk out of – you know, leave town almost. Uh, he had a lot of work to do. He had to build a franchise. He had to completely rebuild the franchise, and he didn't have a whole lot of uh, tools to build it with, uh, just some real smart football people, and he took a lot of good chances. And you know what? He developed a defense that, no, that people are still playing to this day. Uh, it was a defense that dominated for a, a generation of, of, uh, of teams. And uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, I, I don't think there's any defense or offense that he put together. He just had a lot, a lot of nice players and won, and he got the breaks and won a few games. I got I got Roy fired up, Justin. I got him. I got him going. You know, you know what, Roy? Let me ask you this. Let me reposition that because I have a lot of respect for Tony Dungy and what he did. Definite trailblazer. Look at his great staffs. All those guys who went on to be great head coaches from, you know, Herm Edwards to Mike Tomlin. We could keep going on and on. Lovey Smith, on and on and on and on. Um, but if you were hiring a coach in the mid-1990s and you had a franchise, would it be Jimmy Johnson or Tony Dungy? Tony Dungy. Oh, really? No question. It's not really all about what you do on the field. It's about how you're respected in the community, doing it the right way. Um, a lot of things have been lost in professional sports over the years. Um, and one thing that's lost is that uh, uh, you, you do it the right way. You do it in a way that makes you proud in the community of the team that you build. Uh, it's all about the legacy. It's all about what you've left behind. And uh, nobody's done a better job of that than Tony Dungy. I'd hire Jimmy Johnson. He's the most revered man in football outside of Bill Belichick, the most revered coach in football. And it's not all about what he did on the football field. And that's what makes Tony Dungy great. Uh, I would, I would hire Jimmy Johnson over Tony Dungy. I would hire him. I mean, to me, I, I see the whole picture there, but I think Jimmy Johnson to me, I would hire him over Tony Dungy, especially back then. 
we will we will disagree on that. Okay, our last one in our three and out. Um, boy, the Super Bowl has all this fanfare, and I was you get these emails. Our friends at Wallet Hub sent me this email this week. The average cost of a ticket for the past five Super Bowls, $5,145. The average cost for a 30-second commercial, um, $5.24 million. Um, 1.38 billion chicken wings will be eaten during the Super Bowl weekend. I could go on and on and on. All right, Justin, this will be easier than Tom Flores and Don Coriel and Jimmy Johnson and Tony Dungy. Um, what do you like better about the Super Bowl, the halftime show or the commercials? Ooh, you know, I, I, there was a time where I would have said the commercials, but the way everything's done today, I mean, they, they have commercials for commercials now. They release the commercials early. You know, it's you can find them on YouTube way before they air. It's almost like the whole mystique of what they're going to show and, you know, what they're going to do commercial-wise, all the spectacle. It's kind of uh, lost its, I don't know, fun i guess mojo yeah so i would say halftime show although the last couple halftime shows haven't been that great either why why do you you it's like you're picking the worst of the worst so you, maybe you could just say none of the above kind of like the officials in the nfc championship game was it helmet to helmet or was it pass interference or was it none of the above they chose c you could choose c if you want to I don't know. How about I choose my favorite Super Bowl food? I'll just totally make my own <laughs> category. <laughs> I'm going to get rid um, of this podcast this time. You know, what, you know what? Probably when it comes down to it, Mike, even though I'm not as excited as I used to be about the commercials, I still will be more excited this year to watch the commercials than to see the halftime show. So I'm going to go with the Super Bowl commercials there. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm going to go with commercials too because, in my opinion, the the halftime show peaked at Paul McCartney. Obviously, I knew that was cool. uh, you know, and, and there was an era there when when they were look they were hitting home runs uh, with every you know halftime show they had. You know, when you had U2 and the Rolling Stones and uh, Paul McCartney, obviously, you were nailing it. Okay, uh, you know, and then it's it's gotten a little bit it's gotten kind of weak since. So. It, it, to me, it's the commercials, and it usually is the commercials. But um, you know, when you when you when you got when you had acts like McCartney, Prince, U two, that kind of thing, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, you, you, you were you were nailing it. You were hitting it right on the money. Um, by the way, uh, Billy Joel's never done this. Uh oh. Uh oh. You know, but, but I, Bruno Mars was pretty good. I thought. Yeah, he was. Exactly. I, I'd put him – he's the best of the last bunch. Like how I um, but, uh, but no, it's it's the commercials for sure for me. You know, when Eli Manning was dancing with Odell Beckham, I almost fell out of my seat last year. You know, I know all the commercials can't hit, but you know you're going to get a couple good ones. And unlike any other sporting event out there, you're going to pay attention because you're just hoping, well, maybe the next round will be better because we've seen our fair share of great commercials. So – I'm going to say commercials. Um, sorry, I didn't say food, Justin. Sorry, I, man. That was a, that, sorry if those were too tough. I don't think Roy and I have ever gone at it as much in one podcast. But you know what? That makes for good podcasts, right, my friend? That's right, buddy. All right, all right. <laughs> Listen, um, we will see Justin Patriots, Roy Patriots. I'm going to say Rams, which definitely means the Patriots are going to win Super Bowl 53. Atlanta, enjoy it. 
because you know what? You may never host another one again because everybody's going to have to experience that Atlanta airport. So good luck, media, getting out of Atlanta and all you fans as well. But uh, that wraps up another A Few Extra Bucks podcast here on PeterPirates.com. Please subscribe to our website. It's absolutely free. For Justin Thomas, for Roy Cummings, I am Mike Neighbors. We'll see you next time.